Welcome, everybody, to Our Community, Our Mission, a weekly podcast update of the Topeka Rescue Mission Ministries in Topeka, Kansas. I want to thank you for joining us today on Our our Community, Our Mission. I'm Barry Feeker, Executive Director of the Topeka Rescue Mission, and uh, we have just uh, been, I think this is our fourth time to be um, uh, out on a podcast, audio podcast, that you can find on your Apple uh, iTunes podcast as well as your Google and also the Topeka Rescue Mission website, which is trmonline.org, trmonline.org. So today we're going to talk about the issue of the unsheltered homeless. Topeka Rescue Mission shelters over 2,000 different people a year, men, women, and children in our shelters, but yet we still have an unsheltered homeless population in our community. And rather than the Topeka Rescue Mission just waiting for people to come through our doors in order that they can get a place to sleep, something to eat, and hopefully some hope instilled in their life, uh, many years ago we decided that we needed to go out and find those who are unsheltered. So we created a division of Topeka Rescue Mission called Street Reach. And uh, today I have uh, the director of that program, Street Reach, Mark DeGroff, with us. And uh, Mark, we're going to talk to you today about uh, what you do and what you encounter out there and uh, and the why of it. So welcome. Thank you, Barry. And Barry, uh, you and Josh, it's just a pleasure to go out and do what we do and know that you two are in here sharing the good news of Jesus with our supporters and, and letting people know how Jesus is working through the mission. It's uh, a real joy to be on the front lines knowing you guys are right here. Well, thank you so much. And uh, the Josh he's mentioned is Josh Turley. He's our director of communications here uh, at the rescue mission, and uh, he's over here on the board. So if anything goes wrong, it's all Josh's fault, including that cold that you have, Mark. <laughs> yes. That uh, doesn't do any good when you're out on the streets to have a cold. But uh, if you need to cough or pass out or whatever, Josh will take care of that. So anyway, so Mark... Um, you came to the rescue mission a number of years ago as a volunteer, and you've done some different things uh, with the ministry, and you were gone for a while, and you came back, and we had this this need of uh, of having someone direct the street program to reach out into the streets. What's maybe one of the number one or two things you've learned? I know you're involved with the mission, different capacities, volunteer at the distribution center, helping people get ready for Christmas. What have you learned? What has changed in your life? in regards to reaching out to people who are unsheltered? Oh, wow. Um, my time at the mission, God has just softened my heart for people who are hurting. Um, previously in my career, my clients were CEOs and decision makers of businesses and upper-level managers, and um, I was just pretty blind. I didn't have the eyes to see people who were hurting in our community, and Coming in as a volunteer and starting as a volunteer, God just uh, humbled me and uh, helped me to see those who are hurting so badly in our community and who so badly need him. Not that the CEOs and the managers and the decision makers you know, don't also need him. Every one of us needs him. But um, I had an opportunity through volunteering to, to learn that, and God really softened my heart for people who can use our help and need his Need the good news of Jesus. When we, when we talk about the unsheltered homeless, um, you know, people have different images in their mind, what that means, what that looks like. We'll see people who will be walking around. looks like they have all their worldly possessions with them. Some may be panhandling. That's a whole other subject in and of itself. But um, how many unsheltered homeless do we estimate are within the greater Topeka community? 
So there are between 100 and 150 unsheltered homeless in our community right now that we know of. There are more than that who are couch surfing. That's a term for staying with family or friends on their sofas or in an extra bedroom. Uh, Technically, for a point in time count, which is kind of like the census Mm -hmm. coming up in January. Every uh, year. Yeah, Uh we do that every year instead of every 10 years. And uh, federal dollars for programs follow that Mm -hmm. to uh, the city and Vallejo and a lot of our incredible collaborative partners. Um, there are a lot of folks that maybe technically don't qualify for being homeless because they're staying somewhere where they do have access to utilities and staying with a friend, but they really are still homeless and they're really still hurting and at risk at any time of being unsheltered homeless. So Mark, why do we have unsheltered homeless? I mean, obviously the whole issue of homelessness, but we've got a mission here. Um, we've got, uh, anywhere from about 225 to, uh, maybe 280 people staying a night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why do we have unsheltered homeless? For several different reasons. One, a lot of people who are unsheltered homeless have a mental illness that's severe and persistent enough that that prevents them from staying around other people mm-hmm. in a positive manner. Uh, no matter how much they're loved on, no matter how much mental health care they get, the mission is just not set up to care for them in the intensive way that we, that they need. Mm-hmm. And, um, the state hospitals closing mm-hmm. contributed mm-hmm. to a number of people who are on the streets today. We also have people who are, we know that about two thirds of Americans are one missed paycheck away from being homeless. Mm-hmm. And, um, as a country per capita, we carry more debt load now per household and per person than we ever have before. Mm-hmm. And, um, we are, you know, families are one bad exorbitant bill, medical bill, uh, sewer line collapses, you know, and that's when, when we replaced that at my home, it was a little ways out to the street. That was ten or $11,000, I mm-hmm. remember. It's right after you moved in, your sewer line collapsed. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. that, that was a surprise. Yeah. And that was not easy for us to swallow that, even planning ahead for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. And so anything like that, a medical bill, you know, that's a big medical ba- bankruptcy or a medical bill that would force bankruptcy. So a lot of people who um, may have a mental illness, may have some hurdles or barriers that some others of us don't, um, also may get a big bill or something like that. And they can't pick themselves back up by the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. My, uh, great grandfather was the first Ford dealer West of the Mississippi. And he actually started that with about five bucks in his back pocket. And he owned two dealerships. And when the great depression hit, he had so many Ford vehicles sold on credit that he went under mm-hmm. and he had, he knew how to build it from nothing. And he built it. He was a multimillionaire at the time. Then imagine that, you know, what that would equate to now for dollars. I'd love to have those available for the mission Mm -hmm. for us to go out and help people. (laughs) But, um, he could not pick himself back up by the bootstraps. He became a fall down drunk and was homeless. Mm -hmm. And the last place he stayed before he came home to die and live with my family, my dad remembers at about five years old, going over to pick him up with my grandma was city union mission in downtown Kansas city, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And so here was somebody who was an entrepreneur, very, very capable, understood how to run a business, understood how to grow a business from nothing, and just didn't have the willpower to pick himself back up. So he worked hard. He was very successful, and something happened that was outside of his control. He didn't create it. He didn't cause the Great Depression. He didn't do any of those kind of things. What happened to him was circumstantial and 
it took him down. I mean, eventually he turned to alcohol, was what you're saying, which is not uncommon for people to go to substance abuse. And we look at them, oh, there's a drunk, there's a drug addict, you know, they're making those kind of choices. Oftentimes it is medication. That's right. They're self-medicating. Mm-hmm. And we talk all the time with some of our incredible partners at Vallejo um, who provide so many services that we couldn't ever imagine being able to help people with. Great partner. And yeah. And um, we talked to them, you know, chicken and the egg. Is it is it mental illness or is it a substance abuse? What's the start of this mm-hmm. path to homelessness or a path to a, a longer period of homelessness? Mark, describe the homeless situations that you encounter. Uh, we've had a lot of attention uh, in the last uh, year in regards to the Kansas Avenue Bridge catching on fire because there was a homeless camp that had developed under there, not very far away from the rescue mission. Um, what was it? Uh, what's it like that 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 camp is no longer there? Obviously, because uh, ordinance have been passed to not allow camping under bridges, safety issues. But there's a very large camp behind the Topeka Rescue Mission that um, is on the east side of the Kansas Avenue Bridge. A lot of media attention on that. Um, that has exponentially grown in this last year of up to 100 people who are unsheltered. What's it like in there? I mean, is this a organized system that's uh, like another rescue mission, but it's outdoors? Um, is it lots of individuality? For people who we don't recommend come look at it, for safety reasons, but to understand it, what do they need to know? What's it look like? First of all, I think that camp that caught fire under the Kansas Avenue Bridge was a tragedy. That was a tragedy for our city that cost uh, three quarters of a million dollars Mm -hmm. to fix. And I can't imagine the other economic impact with shutting most of that, you know, side of the bridge down uh, for all the grain that's coming in and out of the elevators here and all the business owners in Noto and North Topeka. Um, that, you know, that was huge. That also displaced about 20 people. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was a tragedy, just no matter which side of that issue. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. Nobody, nobody died. That, that's the, the good news yeah. on that. No tragedy of death or injury, but the bridge and economic that, impact. Yes. Yeah. And, and the facts are that fire was over a thousand degrees to melt that steel, mm-hmm. um, to impact it the way that it did and to require those kind of, um, excuse me, repairs. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, that, that's a big deal. Um, we also looked at Housing First as a community, and that program has been wildly successful if you look at the number of people who have continued to be housed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for people who aren't familiar with Housing First, it's an opportunity to put people into their own apartment or their own home first and then wrap services very aggressively around them. This was a pilot program more than 90% of the people who were given vouchers for an apartment are still in their homes. And so that is a huge success. And that is uh, something that has not been yet a full 12 calendar months. Um, I think the other side of that is how do we wrap services around them intensively is what we're catching up to Mm -hmm. in that pilot program. So while we jumped out there and got them housed, they um, maybe haven't had the benefit of all the services that, um, that, might be available otherwise. So those 30 people, the majority of them still in housing, but then afterwards that camp grew. Uh, that camp has at any given time grown up to maybe approximately a hundred people. What's it like in there? What, what's, what do you see when you go in? You bet. And so tent city is what we call that now. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's not just a bunch of individuals. They have their own system. There's a guy down there whose nickname is the mayor. 
mm-hmm. and it's not Michelle de la Isla <laughs> and, um, and we love Michelle. Um, but this is a gentleman who's in kind of in charge or an mm-hmm. alpha male, mm-hmm. um, of his camp. And there are both alpha males and alpha females mm-hmm. in these different camps. And, uh, they tend to be the people who, um, want a position of leadership and, uh, people tend to agree to whatever their rules are and they kind of band together mm-hmm. and we see different camp on camp violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will light other people's tents on fire. They will steal things. Um, it's not a safe place. It's not a nice place. Uh, people are in survival mode who are down there. And so, so we recognize they're in survival mode. We recognize, just like you said, mental illness, drug addiction. There's also some other um, nefarious activities that occur there because of different reasons. It mm-hmm. uh, doesn't make everybody bad who's there. It means that people have gone into a survival mode, mm-hmm. and there really aren't other great options for them. Um, at this point, uh, the housing first, uh, program, um, spent all of its money. Um, the mission's full. We've got our, our house full of people with PTSD don't really do well to come into a rescue mission because of other people there. Um, there are certain policies and rules of the rescue mission in regards to drugs and alcohol, weapons, those kind of things. This crowd of people don't do well in that kind of a structured system, but yet they're there. And we could say, oh, that's too bad. Let's hopefully that nobody gets harmed or nobody comes out of that and harms someone else. But that's not where we stopped. You guys with the Topeka Rescue Mission, Vallejo, the police department, and other partners have said, we want to try to help. What what is uh, what does that look like in regards to what you do to help? How does this... Um, um, this activity um, with what you do personally with Street Reach and volunteers and these other agencies, wh- what are we doing together? First of all, we lead with a cold bottle of water on a hot day or a hot cup of coffee or hot chocolate actually is uh, the most popular on a really I cold bet. day. That's for anybody. <laughs> and That's right. And um, we um, actually, when we start early enough, we offer people breakfast in bed and we walk into their camps and and announce ourselves. And once we know them and know that, that we're welcome there, uh, we don't just assume that we can walk in. That's like their home to them. And, um, this is a sense of community too. So they bond together, um, just as any of the rest of us would bond together with our family and our neighbors and friends in a community. That sense is a uh, very, very important. We know that's on Maslow's pyramid of needs. And, um, so what we do is, um, love on them. And uh, we know that a lot of them are uh, violent and have had traumatic backgrounds and um, horrible things happen to them. And they also don't understand in a lot of ways, if they're frustrated with something, common discourse or how to work through that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times they just look to escalate things. And so we have been trained to de-escalate those things. We've gone specific, very specific training on that very specific training to, um, you know, watch for how we can just meet their needs and love on them and help them. So what's, what's a, that, that's nice. That's good. Uh, you're trying to help them not hurt each other and get hurt. What's the long range goal here? What, uh, what are we hoping to do? And, and, and again, there is this, um, this statistic that, uh, we learned a lot number of years ago, um, that is, uh, says that it takes about 70, positive contacts on an average for a chronically homeless person to really trust you enough to receive services. So this is, this is labor intensive. It's repetitive going back over and over and over again to develop that positive, healthy relationship with them where you can deescalate situations, give them, take care of their basic needs. Um, what's the long range goal here? That is absolutely the long range goal is to build trust with them 
and help them take positive steps forward in their lives. We would love to see them get back into housing. We would love to see them work toward jobs, uh, more education, um, pride in themselves. We uh, begin to help them take ownership of their situations. If we come into the camp, we don't want to just have um, items be handouts, but we want to encourage them to use things very wisely and uh, work with them to help them make those steps forward. So to help them to have opportunities that otherwise if we just ignored them would not exist. That's right. Um, sometimes uh, individuals need some medical help. Um, sometimes they need uh, mental health help. So are you uh, finding yourself in those situations where you're helping them get that help? Absolutely. That's a big part of what we do is just uh, meet people and share what services are available. Grace Med in our community mm-hmm. has a grant, and they offer health care for free to that anybody who's verified homeless for uh, up to one year. And that's amazing. So many of these people, uh, their health is so bad as I cough uh, into my sleeve and I have a little cough, you know, right now, but um, they're just fighting those types of things all the time. Sure. And they're unsheltered. So think about trying to survive. I tell people when they ask me, well, what's it like to really live outdoors? I say, you know what? If you haven't stepped into a walk-in cooler or a walk-in freezer in a little while, Step in there and spend about five minutes in there for a little while. You remember uh, two years ago, January 1st? I do. (laughs) I remember telling you guys I wanted to start Street Reach back up again in a month or so, not that weekend. (laughs) So uh, certainly we decided we needed to start it up. And then uh, somebody had an idea of dropping the windshield to 40 to 60 below zero. And we were parking up and we we were meeting people right there outdoors offering them an opportunity to be able to come inside. Not only that, there was a significant effort to meet some people's needs who were not outdoors, but they were in structures without heat. Right. I remember going to Tar Waters and buying every space heater they possibly had so we could keep people from freezing to death. That's and, right. Uh, and I noticed one thing that happened out of all that great experience with the volunteers and everybody, every one of us got sick afterwards. We were sick <laughs> for a long time after that. You know, I never drank so much coffee in my life. But, uh, you know, we people, I remember when we, when we met them right where they were. Mm-hmm. Their response of surprise and gratitude in the midst of that. They came out of their cocoon, so to speak, of, of, of hunkering down just to survive, to come out and say thank you. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do some things. And so that's what you guys are doing, which is phenomenal. We're, we're helping the individual who has been disenfranchised, who doesn't feel like they're of any value, to understand they're of great value. And this is what I'm hearing about you, Mark, um, from the homeless. Um, they know your name. Um, they, they know the team, they know Sergeant Josh Clam, uh, they know Matt Baldwin from Vallejo. They know others out there by name and they see you as the good guys who are there to help them. And a lot of times they haven't had too many good guys in their life. And, um, I was, uh, the summer was really hot. I went into the homeless camp and it was one of its all time highs. And, and there was, uh, two guys, um, in the camp and these two ladies. And of course we have a human trafficking issue that goes on in homeless camps as well. And, uh, I came up to one of the camps without going inside too closely. And I remember this lady coming up very angry and charging up against me and, and saying, what are you doing here? Blank, 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 blank. And Josh was there with me and, uh, she wasn't a very happy lady at that point. And so I said, could I just ask you two questions? And um, she said, all right. And I said, what got you in this place? Why are you here? And she gave me an earful of why she was here. 
um, eviction from her house and so on and so forth. And after she was kind of done with that, I said, okay, can now I got that part. Can I ask you the second question? She said, what? And I said, what can we do to make this situation better? And she was kind of surprised that there would be that kind of interest at that point in that time. It was a very, very hot day. And she said, what do you mean? I said, what can we do to make this better? And she said, we're thirsty. We need water. And I said, how much? <laughs> and she said, well, we got 100 people here. And so I picked up the phone right in front of her and called you. And I said, can you get cold water here in the next 30 minutes? I think we got it 40 minutes, but we got it down there. And that was just one of those simple things that we could do that eventually would lead into what we called the block party, where we had a big tent and a number of agencies and immunizations giving out and, and people working with the victims of trafficking and police officers sitting down having hot dogs with the homeless and, and all that. What does that make you feel like when you invest every day and then you begin to see that kind of response? It just... Uh... It humbles me, and it makes me so glad to um, be a part of the process. Uh, I started as a volunteer in Street Reach and uh, loved every minute of it and still love every minute of the opportunity to go out and encourage people. And they're thirsty for so much more than water and um, the chance to, to help them with any need that they have. Um, because people think so highly of the mission that they would donate mm -hmm. to help them. And um, the hardest part of my job is telling people, no, I don't have that available right now. It hasn't come in, uh, but I'll put it on my request list and I'll do everything I can to get that for you. And um, also the amazing space for God to work is just to say, you know, Jesus loves you. Let's just ask him for this. Mm -hmm. He's bigger than every one of us. And, um, and he knows that you're hurting, and um, he knows that you're thirsty. So let's ask him for some water and see how he provides. And then to see that happen is truly amazing. And through the outreaches over the years, it's not only about people getting housing and maybe getting medical help or mental health help or substance abuse treatment or whatever. We've actually seen um, some of our folks that are on staff at the rescue mission now used to live out there. That's and, absolutely right. And they're doing phenomenal work, uh, Marcus and, and others who are just, uh, you know, kind of wondering how in the world they ever were in that situation before. So there is there's hope for everybody, every single person. There are people every day when I come and go from work, I see somebody here that's uh, working on our staff right now who is under the bridge. Mm -hmm. And when that fire on the Kansas Avenue Bridge happened, um, and he's here now, and he's been here for a long time, and he's just doing great. Yeah. And that makes my heart really happy. Well, and we couldn't see that happen without reaching where they are. That's right. Right at that point. Uh, homelessness is not unique to Topeka, Kansas. It's not unique um, in the Midwest. It's a national crisis uh, across the country now that um, doesn't matter if you're in the private sector, you're in the faith community, or your government. Everybody is saying, what in the world happened here? What are we going to do about it? We can't solve all the country's problems from Topeka, Kansas, but we can solve the problems we have here by people getting involved in other people's lives and really asking the question, does my neighbor matter? Does my neighbor matter? We all know that we need to matter. And we ask ourselves, does my neighbor matter too? And I think that what we're seeing in this community, we've especially seen since uh, the beginning of August when the Topeka Rescue Mission was really super short on funds, might even have canceled the Street Reach program. Uh, but people have responded because this community says our neighbors do matter. 
And uh, so to know that uh, not only we have collaboration with agencies, but we have lots of boys and girls, moms and pops out there, individuals and groups in the community that are standing with you, Mark, and standing with the team that's out there on the front lines of this every day to help people to know that they're important and valued. Mark, what's one last thing that you would like to share with people today to understand about the unsheltered homeless in our community? There was a book written um, titled Invisible People, and um, people who are homeless feel invisible. Um, People who are out there who may be listening to this podcast may be uncomfortable with how to interact with them. You can smile at them, and uh, we work on loving the one in front of us. And um, we let them know that they're not invisible, that Jesus loves them and that we care for them because he's changed our heart and he's commanded us to go and care for them. And um, so I think it's important that um, we think about all that uh, perspective and the blessing and the eternal security that Jesus has given us mm-hmm. and um, wrap that up in a smile and um that doesn't need to be just for homeless people. There are a lot of people out there that are hurting. Absolutely. And um, I think uh, sharing a little bit of Jesus with people every day and a smile and an outstretched hand is huge. And that's all our team is doing. Well, and Mark, thank you for doing that as part of a bigger system with Topeka Rescue Mission and uh, other agencies in this community. Uh, I know that uh, not only are the folks out there as you're uh, trying to uh, breathe and uh, are out there uh, that uh, that need you, but our community needs us as well. So thank you today for joining us, uh, Mark DeGroff, uh, Director of Street Reach Topeka Rescue Mission, for sharing what it's like in regards to unsheltered homeless in our community. And thank you for joining us on Our Community, Our Mission. If you would like to support the Topeka Rescue Mission, you can go to trmonline.org trmonline.org and you can find a button there to push to support us also you can do it right from your cell phone at, and text TRM give to 77977 text TRM give to 77977 we appreciate all the support we get we also appreciate the prayers that you send our way thank you for joining us on our community our mission <laughs>